Hey friend, you are listening to Real Talk with Rachel, and I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. I am a therapist on a mission to bridge the gap between faith and therapy. Tune in on Mondays for short talk therapy episodes, always 15 minutes or less. And on Wednesdays, we sprinkle in guest interviews with people I feel can equip your mental, emotional, relational, physical, or spiritual health. These episodes are meant to be educational, not a replacement for your therapist. You're going to want to stick around till the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Today's episode equips your mental and spiritual health as we discuss women of the Bible who will help you move past worrying about what people will think. I don't know about you, but this is a big theme in my life, so I was excited to talk about this today. Let me introduce you to our guest. Grace Valentine is an author, blogger, podcast host, and speaker. Her readers say her fresh voice helps them navigate their own faith in life, which in turn helps fulfill her mission to show others that Christianity is an adventure worth living. After growing up outside New Orleans, Grace attended Baylor University and she graduated with a degree in journalism. She now resides in Orlando, Florida, where she enjoys running and eating lots of sushi. Now, this was my first time meeting Grace and I love how God is raising voices from these younger generations to preach the gospel in a way that is relatable and it boldly calls all of us up, no matter our age. I was encouraged by this conversation with Grace, and I know you will be too. So please help me welcome her to the show right now. Well, hello, Grace. Welcome to the show. I am so excited, Rachel, to be on the show. It is a blessing to be here. It's also nice to meet you. I know it's not in real life, but it's, you know, a little step up from Instagram at least. So <laughs> I know it's so fun when, and I feel like that even with people in my own town, when you have like those online friends and then you get to see them face to face or at least talk to them on the phone. It's like, Oh, you're a person like not just in the DMs. Then it feels so much more real to connect that way. So I'm very excited to meet you in this way more real talk format than a DM is. Exactly. And I always love, you know, I've had people ask me, when are you going to put the podcast on YouTube? And honestly, I just don't have the bandwidth for that. So I don't use the videos that we do, but for me personally, it just helps to be able to see your face. I'm like, I love oh, completely. It. I know. I always get scared because if you go into interviews and you don't know they're doing YouTube, there was one recently and they put it on YouTube and I was like, pretty sure it was not my best moment. It's <laughs> not like it matters, but so I, I totally get the bandwidth thing, but yes, I enjoy talking to people face to face versus on the phone or anything. It feels so much more better. Yeah. Or more it, better. better. <laughs> in fact, I recently, I've had a few interviews where we couldn't turn the camera on for different reasons. And honestly, I have a hard time getting distracted. Like they'd be talking and then all of a sudden I was like, wait, would you just say? Cause I don't know why, if I can't see your face, I can't hang. So. <laughs> oh, completely. It's my ADD gets me. I'm like, Oh, what else is going on? Yeah. yeah. I just see this like name on the screen. So yeah. like, yeah. Okay. So total random. That was, I guess, a fun fact about me. Now I like to ask all my listeners, what's a fun fact about you that I wouldn't have read in your professional bio? Gosh, that's a great question. Cause I already put, even in my professional bio that I love sushi. That's like my thing, but um, I'm left-handed. I feel like that's like the dumb thing that like, you know, if I sign a book or something, people will be like, 
wait, you're left-handed? I didn't know. And I was like, I guess, do I say that to everyone? Like, I'm left-handed. I'm sure all the other left-handed. But other than that, I mean, I'm from Louisiana, which I guess that's in my bio. Um, but I was in a Mardi Gras parade when I was like 12 years old too. And so my mom and my dad grew up in Mardi Gras parades. But when I was 12, I got to be a little thing called a page in one of the parades. So it was really fun. Oh, that's fun. Do you still live? What about in- you? Oh, what about you? I want to know a fun fact about you too after. But do I still live in? No, I live in Orlando, Florida now. My parents don't even live in New Orleans area where I grew up. And so I loved growing up there. It was a great time, but also a very interesting culture. Like I loved it in the way that everyone was so like, it was a, like a melting pot of people, but it also was like, there's a lot of things you can see being a young girl growing up. I went to public school and that was also good for me and it made me who I am today. Um, but my parents now, they live mainly in the mountains in North Carolina, which I selfishly love so much because I love to hike. I'm a mountain girl versus a beach girl. Because even though I live in Orlando, I'm close to the beach. I much would rather the mountains. But Rachel, what is a fun fact that maybe your listeners don't know about you yet? I'm sure you have something that you're hiding from them. You are the very first guest ever to turn that question <laughs> back on me. And I'm not going to lie. When you did, <laughs> I like had the same feeling that apparently all my guests have. And my stomach dropped out. And I'm like, I don't know. Do I have a fun fact? I don't think I have any fun I'm facts. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> okay. For some reason, and this really isn't fun, I guess, but it just came to mind that people probably wouldn't know about me if you just met me because I definitely have more of a relational personality. One of my strengths is relator, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Okay. I'm going around the mountain. But in high school, I actually would compete in algebra competitions <laughs> and like took, took state, got trophies doing algebraic equations. So I don't know if that's fun. That's kind of nerdy. No, have you ever watched High School Musical? <laughs> yeah. That's what she does on that too. Oh, she maybe it's science. Or science. It's like math. She's in the math club and she does that. And I remember thinking, I have never heard of that. And yeah. so now I'm going to think you as Gabriella Montega in High School Musical doing the math equations during the basketball game. So yeah. I think it's fun. Yeah, it is. It's random. And like I said, I don't think people would expect that about me because I don't, it really is kind of weird that I was good at math because- it's like, that doesn't line up at all with what I do now. So and I don't know. You're not an engineer. <laughs> like, you didn't choose. And everyone probably, so I grew up in this advanced place for math till it got to calculus and I was like, I'm out. Like, I started crying. Like, anything I did, but I was always a year ahead. And my dad was like, this is so good to be good at math. Like, there's so many jobs. And I was like, but I don't like it. Like, I, I may be above my grade level, but I don't enjoy it. So once I'm done, I will never take a math class again. And that's what I did. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even as we're talking, I'm thinking about me, we're going on such a random side note, but hopefully the listeners like this because actually I'm about to bring it full circle is what I liked about algebraic equations. I don't like simple math stuff, but what I liked about it is like you have all this information and you have to figure out like an answer from the information you've been giving. So it's almost like you're in my mind, a bit of a detective. That's how I feel mm-hmm. sometimes as a counselor. I'm like, okay, I have all this information. Now I've got to break it down Let's and see where we can, yeah. you know. So anyway. it is cool. It does show in your work somehow. So yeah. I love that. Yeah. Anyhow, that was a total random, total off the side. But I just, I love for one of the reasons I do this piece is I like the listeners to know you and I were real life people. You know, we're not just, you yeah. know, voices uh, in their head or on the, the car, yeah. their drive. Completely. Yeah. We have random quirks and things as well. Uh, okay. So today we're talking about the topic of your most recent book. This is your third book. What are your first two books? My first book was Am I Enough? Um, and that came out in 2018. My second book came out in 
2021 is it just me and so now this is my third book what will they think and they're all question titles kind of because I know I'm young I know I'm learning and so it's kind of like these questions are questions that I've asked myself and so this is kind of like the big girl version though I think my what will they think is the grown-up version of all my other books in a way Mm, I love that I love that they're in question format because that's really what people are thinking like it's like that's yeah. what, again what I like to do as a counselor is ask really good questions because that's the stuff that really gets people thinking so this what will they think what's the heart behind you writing this one in this topic for you yeah well there's multiple things and multiple like passions I had that came out into the book the title is what will they think and that's about not caring about what people think of you because so many times I feel like before God was calling me to do something my first reaction was to think, well, what will they think? Like, what will that mean girl from high school or the college professor who didn't really believe in me or even my parents or what will those people think of me if I do this that I feel like God is pushing me towards. And sometimes that ends up stopping you or pausing you from doing something that's your purpose and something that God is calling you to. And then you start doubting, was that God calling me? Like, and it's all because you're wondering, what are they going to think about you? And I think as women, we strive to please people a lot. We want to kind of conform to wherever we are and be chameleons. And we think we're supposed to be like nice little sweet girls. And that is our purpose. And I also see that like we struggle with what people think of us in like the cynical way in the world, but also sometimes even with the Christian world too much where we're like, oh, what are, what's she going to think if I tell her my testimony, if I really change or if I did this? So it's not even just one thing of like, oh, what will I think if I don't drink alcohol and do drugs? It's also like, what are they going to think if I as a woman want to start a podcast and my, my church doesn't have any women speaking right now? And are they going to think I'm trying too hard? Are they think I'm going to, you know, I've just seen those things too. And I also believe that my younger generation didn't really have a healthy view of women in the Bible because they had believed the lie that culture said that God hates women and that Jesus told women to sit down, sit in the corner and just breed children at 21. You know, that's kind of the mentality some people have. And I got plenty of DMs about it. And I realized in my head, I was thinking that Jesus put women in a box. And then I started exploring the Bible and I was like, I want to know the woman in the Bible more because there are so many women when you actually look for them and they were all different. They were all unique, different careers, different financial like powers, different social standing, some were shamed, some were queens, some were the the ruler of an area and led a war. And I think that made me realize Jesus calls women up, that women are valued. And when we realize that we have this purpose and we can be bold and who Christ says we are, we're not going to be worried about what people think of us. And it gives us this freedom to realize, I don't care if they don't like me. I don't care what they say. Like people are always going to talk, but I want to live a bold life, not a people pleasing life. Mm. Preach, my sister, preach, because uh, this has been one of those things that even as a woman who is, you know, I'm not quite 40, but I'm almost there. It took me decades to realize, oh, wow, I am sitting on the sidelines of life because of the fear of man. And it did take the Lord finally just stirring something in my heart. In fact, the verse he gave me was Proverbs 29, 25, that fear of man proves to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. That's been something Mm. I've had to repeat on over and over and over again in my head because it's almost like I finally got this righteous anger that said, I am so sick of my life and my decisions being controlled by what are they going to think? Just like he said, what what are they going to think? Both both sides of it. And so I love that we're getting to just bring this conversation up 
and into the light, having some real talk about it. You started to mention, I know in the book and stuff, you do go into this, but for you, who are some of those women in the Bible that as you did start to explore this and go, okay, what's the truth in the Bible? Let me look at some of these women. What are Mm -hmm. the ones that you really resonated with? Yeah, my two favorites, I always say lately. I mean, like I said, I always depends on the day. Some days someone will be like, oh, I'm like, I'm a married girl today. I don't know. Uh, but I really love Deborah because I think a lot of women think their leadership or that desire to be a leader, one has to look a certain way. I think sometimes people think you have to put these like boss girl pants on, give people a stern look and be kind of harsh. And Deborah first was a judge where people would bring their problems to her and trust her wisdom and discernment. Like there was no like, animosity there was no like fight back like tiger girl mentality like she was someone who people trusted for her insight and I think that's beautiful that she had a like a voice where people listened to her and then she also led an army in that way and so I think you think to be a warrior you have to be this tough exterior who doesn't really listen to people but she was first a listener and listen to people's problems under a tree and then she also fought a war and led it and so I think that's someone I admire and I also admire Hagar a lot because Hagar didn't have it easy and Hagar was overlooked a lot. I think a lot of us, even maybe if you were listening here today, could often feel overlooked, but it seems like someone else always gets the role. Someone else is always talking to God over us and we're doubting. Someone else is getting the guy, getting the job, et cetera. And Hagar was in the most vulnerable moment, yet God saw her and she called the God who sees me. And I remember after I read that passage, I was like, how much more powerful would it be if I realized God was the God who saw me? Like you saw all of me. And I'm not overlooked by him, even if I am overlooked, because sometimes we get even annoyed when people don't think about us, when they don't even include us. They, there's a group text without you. There's people who you fear that they wouldn't care if anything happened to you. But the beautiful thing about Hagar, she realized, well, that doesn't matter. Like there's a God who sees me. And that was in the middle of her most messy, hurtful, dangerous moment. And so those are the two that I resonate with. Is there any woman in the Bible in general that you resonate with, Rachel? You're such a good interviewer. <laughs> oh, thanks. It's like, also, I do podcasts too sometimes. So yeah. I also am like, it's more fun if I get your invite. And I'm like, this is what I yeah. would want to hear if I'm your listener too. Yeah, this not is just, fun. Not just me. I'm yeah. enjoying this. Um, for me, it's Esther. And mainly yes. because, and to your point though, it it's not always just Esther. They all have qualities that I feel like whatever yeah. season of life I'm in, the Lord will send me to go reread that story and glean from that. But currently Esther, uh, and it's actually interesting, the publishing house that I'm releasing my first book with, it's David C. Cook, but they just released an imprint called Esther Press. And um, that really was just spoke to me that the Lord let me be part of this um, Mm. launch of this type of thing, because that verse from Esther 4.14, um, you know, for such a time as this, yes, if you if you remain silent, you know, you were you were born for such a time as this. And that really resonated with me because for years I told the Lord no whenever he would call me out to speak or to write. And when people would ask me to do things, um, I would tell them, oh, no, I'm not a speaker. Oh, no, I don't. Because I always just had this label and this um, image of, oh, I'm the shy, quiet, timid girl. I don't do those public things. And so I would just say, no, 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 no. I would, I would literally said no for so many years. And then finally, the Lord just got a hold of my heart. And he was just, Rachel, if you remain silent, who's, who's gonna, like I've given, I've appointed you with this mm-hmm. message, you know, specifically. And I feel like every woman, whether you have a huge platform, like if you're called to be online or if you're just right there in your own hometown, 
we have a special anointing for the thing wherever God has planted us that only we can carry out. And so that's why for me, Esther really resonates because he specifically planted her it, where he wanted her. And it all that she was required to do, though, was to open her mouth when he asked her to, to be obedient. And that just resonates with me because that obedience piece, that's where I keep always go back to when fear, when insecurity, when the fear of man comes up, I just always go back to, well, the Lord planted me here. So my only part, my, my role here is to just be obedient. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for asking. And what I, what I love about Esther too, is like the idea of in scripture, when she first was talking to the king, they had to put all these oils on her to make her good enough for him. Like it was like, she had to have all of them present her in her best. And I think it's so beautiful to think that after, you know, she talks to her uncle, she wasn't presenting her best. She was presenting the things about her, the deep things about her. And he, the king was not anything like God, but he was like, wait, that's who you are. I accept that. And like, now the people are saved because you were bold enough to communicate. And I love what you said, because it's like, yeah, you have to be bold enough to communicate. And like, you don't have to always put on your oils when you're best when you go speak. I think sometimes you're like, well, I want to lead a Bible study for seventh grade girls, but I'm not cool enough or I don't have my best fit or the, what they're looking for in my youth ministry. Like that's not what God wants. Like God doesn't want your best thing. He wants you to come as you are like, and come with an eager heart and a bold heart and a ready heart to communicate. Like you said. Yeah. Okay, Grace, the Lord, the Holy Spirit just used you just now to even minister to me because tomorrow I'm speaking to a group of high school boys. Okay. Oh, high school boys. First time ever to speak to high school wow, boys. God. I've done girls before, but not boys. And yeah, I remember my first dabble with high school boys. It's scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but no, I've literally yeah, been praying me about in it. High school, yeah. I know. And then you're the hair. Wow. Yeah. But what a cool moment that is! Like God bringing you for such time as this. I think it's easy to think of what you already start thinking. What are they going to think? Like, they're going to think I'm a mom or cool. You know, that's mm-hmm. where I even go. Like they're going to think I'm lame. That I'm this old washed up graduate. They're going to look at me not as a sister way, but like rank me like be like high school boys but then all people care about is an eager heart i'll never forget when i spoke to my old high school class as a public school so i didn't talk about jesus and it was a boy after he goes is there any books like like can i have your book too like it was sweet he was like if do you need books like this for guys if not i'll take your book right now and i was like and he was embarrassed to do it but i was like oh because he has a heart eager for the lord and if that's why i spoke to them was for that one high school boy then like, praise God, but you have to let me know how it goes too. Yeah, I will. Yeah. And I wanted my listeners to hear that too, because of just that remembrance that I feel like this is a, it is an ongoing thing. We just have to be aware of, especially when the Lord sends us into new territory. I don't know about you, Mm. but when I've conquered a territory before, I'm like, okay, yeah, I got this. I've done this before. My confidence is a little higher, which, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you could also argue that maybe that's not always the best thing because I need to keep my confidence in the Lord and all that for sure. That's, Humility. Yeah. yeah. But when you, when you take new territory, I remember I once had a mentor who told me that um, discomfort is the price of admission to taking new territory. And, you know, it's not, it may not always be comfortable, but that if the Lord has called you to it, there's a reason for that and he's anointed you for it. So that's so good. Um, another thing that you do talk about is that, and we're kind of on this, so I want to just go here now. Boldness isn't exclusive to loud personalities. Let's talk about that for a second. What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, I think I've seen a lot of friends. I'll say I'm probably someone who is a little more loud in a room, but I have watched so many of my great friends who have different personalities and gifts. They have risen up and 
spoken up even. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't mean that they've spoken up loud, but they spoke up and their words had value. And I think it's not about being the loudest voice, but it's about being a voice that points people to Christ and has value because it's who is speaking through you. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. And so we think of like, oh, she's bold. She's so strong. And you think of this girl boss energy hustler, but I'm sure you and me can relate. There's so many moments when the strongest or the most bold person often is the person who is just prayerful about what they do, not just speaking immediately. And so there's different gifts and callings for a lot of us, you know, and sometimes it is the girl who's shyer. Sometimes it is the girl who feels like she's too much, you know? And so I think that's so important. Like if you're the girl who feels like you're too loud and you're too much, you're not too much. Like you're exactly Christ wants. He wants to refine that, give you self-control and patience and use your gifting. And if you're the girl who thinks you're not enough, that your voice isn't loud enough, like be bold and confident in the Holy Spirit seeking through you and you will be amazed at things. I love that. And I, and I think that is definitely something, actually, I was having a similar conversation about this with one of my daughter, my 15 year old daughter. And she's definitely the, like you said, kind of like you, the, the more bold uh, personality, you know, is not afraid to speak up. And then myself and her younger sister are more of that quiet, you know, reserved personality. But when we do speak up, it usually has some depth because we're observers, you know, where we listen and we watch, but she made a statement that I thought was very powerful. Uh, my, my oldest daughter did that the louder personality one, she said, you know, mom, before I, you know, started to recognize about different gifts and how people are wired. She said, I used to view people who were more quiet as that, that was weak. Um, she said, but mm. she said, when I got to know you and my sis, her sister, she said, I saw it's actually not weak at all. You know, she said that, you know, wow. she, like she said, I used to think that the, the more loud and the bossy, like those were the strong ones. And she said, but now I see both of them are strong, but just in different ways. And so I just love yeah. that because we need both. Right. I'm also not saying there's anything wrong with being the loud one because like or the or the more, you know, authoritative or go getter because we need that, too. Um, but being the quiet one also is strong. It just presents itself in a different way. And I just feel like women need to hear that sometimes. Yeah. And that's one of the women in the Bible I do talk about in the book and that I love is Tabitha and she's an X nine. And we don't know much about Tabitha. All we knew is that she was so enclosed for the widows and the orphans. And that's it. And that people who were overlooked so often by the church, by their communities were crying, wearing the clothes that she made them when she died. And I love it because I don't think Esther would care that there was only a couple verses written about her. Like there's people like Esther who get a whole book, which is great. But someone like Tabitha, who got a couple words, like one saying that she was nice and cared about the poor people, but her legacy was one of love and not proving that she was worth loving. And so whether you're like the strong-willed, like loud one, or whether you're the quiet one, just remember your life isn't about proving you're worth loving. It's just about living this act of love and that people are going to remember your character and your kindness. And that's your legacy because that is representation of your faith and who Jesus is and not even who you are. And so I love Tabitha because so many times I think we're scared to be ordinary. We're scared to just be the person in our town who is saying occasionally things, maybe the quiet girl who's just leading a group of 10 middle school girl Bible studies, or maybe the person who's a soccer coach on the side or person at their career who's just occasionally meetings, checking in on the younger workers. But that is oftentimes our biggest ministry. And so if you're quiet, you don't have to speak on stage, but you may be able to speak love and look to your left and right and see the overlooked in your town. Absolutely. And you're starting to hit on a point I was going to ask you about is, we're getting into some practical, I love to be practical for my listeners because 
I like to encourage and be practical. So if somebody's listening and they're going, like they're even thinking something of along the lines of that I feel paralyzed when I think about what people think, what, what are they mm. going to think of me? You know, when they're, you know, just it almost paralyzes them with fear, you know, where they just can't move forward. Do you have any practical tips for them just to get that first step started or just to get going in that way? Yeah, I think for me, what I've thought is, well, one is the thing our grandmas and moms always told us, which is like, no one is thinking of you as much as you're thinking about you. But I'm also a firm believer that no one happier or with a faith in Jesus Christ, who's confident in that faith will ever be wasting your time talking about you. We have too many people we got to like love and care for. But if they're wasting their time gossiping about you, then they're probably not that happy. And also, I just let them talk. Like if people... But the worst thing someone thinks about me is Grace is crazy for trying to do this. Grace is a little spunky. She's kind of in your face sometimes. And then like, I can let them talk. I don't have to prove myself when I know what Christ has named me. And if I know that I'm being obedient to God's purpose. And I think that sometimes feel, feels like annoying because we lose control when we just let them talk. Like we don't have to, I mean, the Bible says like, okay, if someone hits you on one cheek, you show them another, another. And so, if someone in your small town is starting a rumor about you, or if someone is being mean about your daughter, it's easy to want to speak your mind, but it's so important to speak the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is one of love, grace, uh, self-control, patience, joy. And you don't ever have to speak your mind when you have the Holy Spirit in your heart. And so that's something I think I've had to resonate with. And you can get so distracted if you start looking at what other people think that you miss out on your blessings. And there's, I don't know if you remember Michael Phelps in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Um, there was this picture. I don't remember. I remember watching it as a little girl and there was this one guy like talking trash about him before like the big meet for the Olympics. And he had his headphones on and Michael was just looking down and there, I think it was from Brazil. And he was like, what's up? You're going down Michael or whatever. He's trash talking. And then there was this picture that came out during the event and Michael ended up winning and the guy got second. And, and in the picture, it was like, the guy was like looking at Michael while they were swimming. He may have just been taking a breath, but I like to think he was like literally looking because, and Michael was just looking forward. And I think same thing with us is like, if we look to the left and to right of what people think about what we feel called to do or what they think about us in general, if we get, if we go to a therapist, are they going to question that we're crazy? If we put our kid in therapy, are they going to question our crazy? Then we're going to miss out on the blessings right in front of us and running our race. And so I'd encourage anyone who feels paralyzed by that is just run your race. Like look forward, take those bold steps with Christ. It's not about knowing where you're going five years from now. It's just taking that one step forward and looking and having the perspective. Yeah. That reminds me of Hebrews 12, you know, to run the race set before you, mm, yes. not looking to the right or left, throwing off anything that weighs you down, especially comparison, fear of man, all those things, and just keep your eyes focused because it is, I really appreciate that this message, um, that you have come at it from that biblical perspective with the help of the Holy spirit, Jesus, because I know that in the world, we do have a lot of messages on our own, our own confidence, our own self-image, our own self-esteem, you know, me, 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 positive affirmations. And the problem with those things is they only take us so far in our own strength, you know? And so it's that pivot of the, what you're, what are you focused on? You know, am I looking over at what other people are doing or am I just keeping my eyes ahead of me? And in my mind, when the eyes ahead of me means I'm looking at Jesus, where's he going? You know, I'm just yeah. following him. I'm just, where you at Jesus? Okay. I'm following Amen. you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very practical. I love that. Um, what are, you talk about some things that are better than being too scared. Can you name a couple mm. of those? Oh, shoot. Ah, uh, where's my book? Uh, 
You can come I even think, even any that come to your top of your head. You don't even talk about yeah. <laughs> the ones I listen to the book. I do. I love lists, and I think especially because I write for a younger audience, I think sometimes they're so ADD. I need to say like, okay, this is what I'd rather be than too scared. Like this is what I'd rather be than liked. Like, and it helps them put it into perspective. But I think especially rather be than too scared is I think I said something like on adventurous. Like I'd rather see the adventure God has bes- like bestowed me because I think so often we think obedience leads to boring, especially younger Christians or younger adults think that they go, well, if I'm going to be obedient in college, I'm going to miss out on that fun college atmosphere. And I remember being in the party scene and I never had been more entangled with anxiety, like waking up with a hangover, like cringy text. Like it was not fun. Like I always tell girls, like we tell so many people in college, like don't drink when you're underage because it's against the law. And I'm like, don't get drunk because it isn't fun. Like you're not enjoying getting plastered in a frat basement. Like I know you're not, you know, um, but obedience has led me to more adventure than being scared of walking in obedience. And so that's something I definitely was one of the things I'm pretty sure. And then other thing Matt, I mean, I would rather be someone that God looks at in the end and is like, okay, well done. Like you did what you did. You, I gave you this purpose. Like you said with Esther, I brought you here into this generation, to this era, to your family for such a, for such a time as this. And you spoke with your mouth and you shared the gospel with your heart, with your hands, with your feet, with your voice. And so those are things I would rather be than too scared. Absolutely. And I just appreciated the um, obedience piece there. I once had a mentor say to me, and I will never forget this, that success is obedience. Like if the Lord asked you to do Mm -hmm. something and you were just obedient and you did it, and sometimes that looks like a big thing that he asked you to do, and then sometimes it's simply, hey, in the grocery store, I want you to go, you know, ask this person how they're doing, or, you know, it just can, it can look very different, but that just that, that obedience not only is bring such um, joy to the father. But to your point, I think it's a fun journey. Like following God is fun. If, yes. if following God does not look fun for you, I'm not, you know, um, might want to just see what, if there's any kind of religion or anything that has yeah. um, taken the joy out of that for if you. If it's just rules. If, you, mm-hmm. if you're following rules, that's not fun. But if you're following a relationship and yeah. you're having this connection with him mm-hmm. and you know him personally, then you're going to be like, oh, I don't want to do him wrong. You know, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So as we're coming towards the end, you know, I guess I could have asked this in the beginning, but I didn't. That's okay. What is, you mentioned a little bit about your college journey. What is your, how did your relationship with the Lord really deepen and grow into a relationship, not religion? Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said early too, in the beginning, I grew up in South Louisiana. So I was always a good Christian girl growing up. But then what's interesting is I went to Baylor University and it was like, ooh, everyone's Christian. And I wanted to go for that reason. I went to public school and I was like, I went from being like the little bully girl to like class president on homecoming court, prom court, but I had an eating disorder. And then I finally got that right. I found more self-love than I found Jesus. I thought it was Jesus, but I found self-love. And then I started just joining sorority and getting like engulfed into the party scene because I didn't, I wanted to kind of stick out and everyone was Christian. So I was like, and I also grew up in New Orleans where a relationship with alcohol felt so different. Like alcohol was so normal that I never prayed about decisions that I made. Like I never was trying to even see if I felt convicted by doing something because I just was looking around and I was like, well, as long as I'm the best one here, then I'm doing great. And that's obviously not how conviction works. Conviction isn't comparing other people's sins to yours and going one step down, you know? And so that was kind of, and I think just after some mistakes, waking up with a lot of, 
regret and after not remembering some nights, like that's when Christ kind of told me you're not having fun. And I think once again, there wasn't this like bippity boppity boom moment, but I was like, I'm not having fun. Like I'm brought to this earth for something bigger than this. Like if this is my college years, just getting drunk in a basement or at a frat party or kissing a boy, like then I'm really missing out. And so I had this moment, I would say, where I was like, immediately was ready to turn around. But then after that, I was around a lot of Christian circles who were more legalistic and I had changed. I was just driving girls, picking them up, but they had let me and boxed me into my reputation. They were like, Oh, you're the party girl. You're in the party group. And I was like, wait, you have, I haven't really drank in like six months, but, and not that I need a Yahoo, but it was interesting how even the Christians, I was like, they still think I'm crazy. Like it was like, I was trying to please the Christians, And then I was trying to please the partiers when I really should have just been focusing fully on what Christ was saying about me. It didn't matter what my reputation was. And if I could get clean from that again, that if people were going to be like, Oh, Grace is a good girl now. And it didn't matter what other people said about me. It just mattered about Christ. And so that was something that I learned in college. And I'm sure a lot of people, college is such a time of rebirth. A lot of ways, like you're trying to find yourself. You're trying to realize who you are. And if you don't realize who created you and saved you and have a relationship with him, then you're going to miss out on purpose. And I finally found that my sophomore year and like, praise God for that. Yeah. And it is such a tug of war that you're in. Cause like you said, you're over here trying to please this group of people and then another mm-hmm. group of people and it's, you're really not enough for either group. And so that can really be hard on the identity and everything. And so, yeah, that's really neat. One thing I love grace about that you, uh, you and I connecting um, just, well, actually just this week, a, podcast episode released on my podcast that was with my oldest daughter, my 15 year old. And oh, how sweet. Yeah. Did a podcast yeah. yeah. I love that. It was really sweet. And I'll tell you, I had wanted to, to bring her on for a while, but the thing that really inspired me to go and do it was um, at my church. The pastor had done a message called the generational God. And it was just about all the, how God is the God of all generations. And we're really mm. one thing that we're up against right now, or probably have always been up against really, it's not a new thing, but how each generation is kind of like, okay, this is my generation. And then there's your generation and y'all's generation did this. And we're, and we're all just, we try to kind of do that. We're segmented, you know? And so I love getting to talk to people from other generations and go, okay, what can you teach us? And what can we teach you? You know, like, why, why are we mm-hmm. doing this? Why are we boxing in? You know, why are we saying, okay, my generation, we, uh, I can only speak to this group. Kind of like even what you were talking about earlier with me speaking to these high school boys tomorrow, like, you know, me having to overcome that weight. What do I have to offer them? I'm not in their generation, but the Lord obviously sees something in me that he knows that generation needs from me. But I also think the the reverse is true too. Like, that's why I wanted to hear from my teen daughter, you know, like just how can we do better? So I know you mentioned earlier, you're young and yet here you are doing these amazing things, written three books, getting to speak and influence in this way. Do you feel like, and, and back to this whole theme we've been talking about, like wh- what will they think? How can we and I feel like you are already doing a good job of this, which is why I'm asking you this. How can we really begin to bring each other into each of our generations and just, you know, get welcome each other and learn from each other? Yeah. Well, I love everything you just said, because I think a lot of people in the generation above mine don't realize how much my generation actually wants like mentors, people discipling them. And they feel awkward. Like they, and they've been hurt by people before, but they really crave that. Um, And I think it's a natural human desire to crave that. And a lot of the people in my generation come from broken families where they may not have gotten those figures at home. And so they're searching for spiritual mothers. They're searching for spiritual fathers. 
people to represent Christ and those characteristics for them and just discipleship in general. But I would say when it comes to like how to fill that, I think just remembering there's nothing new under the sun. Like that says in Ecclesiastes, I think one nine. And that was after Solomon prayed to be the wisest man on earth. That's what he realized. And so there's nothing new that this generation is experiencing that you haven't. It's easy to once again, feel unequipped because social media is a different beast. And that is very true. Like social media adds a factor that not every generation can understand. But insecurity has always been there. You know, sin has always been there. Comparison has always been there. And people don't need this like perfect you who fully gets what they're going through because you'll never get what they're going through. But people just need someone to listen. And so I would just encourage any generation to listen to the other generation of the stories and connect the dots of how it's not new under the sun. Like how is what they're going through similar to your first heartbreak that you had, that you swore was the one, you know, how is your daughter's, friendship troubles similar to your friendship troubles today where you struggle to feel like you fit in you know and I think when you realize that there's more alike in this world and there are differences that there's no one generation who's like a bunch of snowflakes we're all pretty delicate human beings trying to figure this life out in need of a savior then I think you'll realize that we're more connected than ever and also I would really encourage if you go to a church and you see a lot of especially young single 20 somethings ask them over for dinner. Like some of my favorite friendships in my life or in my mentors are older couples who have invited me to dinner, who have done life with me. Um, and especially looked out for like the single girls out there. And so that is something that I think is very lost and there's no Bible study really for like single 21, three-year-olds. And I think that's something that the boldness from the generation before of saying, Hey, I see you. It's kind of like with Hagar in the middle of the wilderness. Like that's how your twenties can feel. So sometimes we need someone older to be like, hey, I see you. You're not overlooked. Like, I want to invite you in. And that can be a beautiful relationship. Yeah. Is that the season that you're in right now? Yeah, I'm uh-huh. 26. I'm single. A lot of my friends who are single too. I think sometimes you go to church and you see a lot of cute families and you're like, where's my place? And so I'm very thankful for the families who have come up and been like, hi, like, what's your name? And not, do you babysit? You know, that's usually the common thing, like, do you babysit? And I'm like, okay, no, like I'm tired of babysitting. I still do occasionally though. This is good money. Got the Venmo, you know, but it's at the same time, you're like, no, I just want, can I just invite me to dinner? You know? And that's one of the greatest things you get to experience that and also learn from a couple who's a couple years older or another single woman who's a couple years older. And so I just want to encourage all your listeners in that too. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's such a great call to action, you know, just to really keep our eyes open. This doesn't mean we have to be weird or creepy about it and yeah. run around looking for somebody to mentee. Are you single? Yeah. yeah. You want to be my mentee? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the cool thing about the Lord is whenever we are, um, when he drops something like this on our heart and the fact that you and I are even talking about it. And then the fact that yeah. you as a listener are even listening today means he's kind of stirring your heart going, Hey, I might, I'm going to be sending somebody into your life. Just keep your eyes open wow. for somebody I want you to reach out to and be that person for them. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Praise God for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I'm excited to see what comes from that. Okay. So as we wrap up, um, let them know, of course, where they can connect with you, where they can get your books, all the things. Yeah. My Instagram probably has all my links in my bio at the Grace Valentine. So you can click that and I have three different books out. My latest one we talked about a lot today is what will they think? And I write a lot of my Instagram so you can check me out there. Send me a message if you listen to this and I'll try to respond and they'll be great. And I have a website, www.gracevalentine.org. And that also has everything you need. So perfect. 
Yeah, well, and those links will also be in today's show notes. So, Grace, thank you again for taking on and just for doing Real Talk with me. I, this felt so not stage, not can, just chatting like we're friends, and I loved it. So thank you. Yay. Well, thank you, Rachel. Well, it is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps that you can implement into your life right now. At the back of Grace's book, she did something really cool. I love, y'all know, if you've been here for more than one episode, I'm all about practical. And she has a list of 40 things to remind you not to miss out on God's best for your life. I went through these 40, and honestly, it was hard to choose, but I chose just a few of the practical ones to read to you today. First up, no one really thinks about you as much as you do, and your God thinks about you every second of every moment. He thinks about you and chooses you each moment. Be thankful for this. And when you overthink a conversation, a friendship, or a rejection, remind yourself that the other person probably already forgot about it. Isn't this true? All right, here's another one that I loved. Do holy things more than you strive to do likable things. Holy things aren't big deal things. Yes, it could be starting an orphanage, but it could also be talking to a stranger, tipping well, and being kind to your server, talking to a coworker about their family trials, or even loving a younger sibling. Holy things are about shining God's light, not your own. Here's another favorite that I chose. When this life is over, your gravestone will not show your social media stats, your resume, your rejections, or even opinions from your ex-boyfriends. It will have a line, though, and this line separates the day you were born with the day you went to heaven. Life is about how you love boldly within that line. Each day is a gift. Use your line to show others love and not to convince them to like you. Woo, that one stepped on my toes in in a very good way. All right, here's another one. Remember that one friend, the one friend you haven't heard from in a while? Check up on them. Sometimes we get so worried about ourselves, we forget about others. Your legacy is your love, so love others well. Love the people God placed in your life. I love that practical tip right there. Remember that friend you haven't talked to in a while? This is your reminder. Check up on them. Send them a text or an email or whatever. All right, a couple more. Uh, It is really hard to compare yourself to others if you're busy praying for them. Remind yourself they are your teammates, not your competitors. Cheer them on. So another practical one, pray for people. Okay, I want to read you two more from this list of 40. Ten years from now, you'll look back on this season and you'll understand why. You'll see why God removed some people, and you'll see the good in some of the goodbyes. There is no such thing as right person, wrong time. God's timing is always good. Trust that even when you feel hurt, you'll see God's provision. His provision and power are more powerful than your present feelings. Last but certainly not least, Tabitha didn't have much written about her, but she did love well. You and I may never be in a textbook. No one may know our name 5,000 years from now. It won't matter if we got that job or proved the mean girl wrong. What would matter is if we loved those around us well. So let's love boldly. Let's do holy things, not main character things. 
Okay, well, I just loved all those practical tips from her. Go ahead and grab her book if you want to read all 40. Of course, I'm not going to sit here and read you all 40, but those are just some really good ones. Uh, And I pray that at least one or two of those really just stuck out to you for today. So choose one or two of those that I mentioned. If you want to do that little back button where you can kind of jump back 30 seconds and re-listen to those and ask the Holy Spirit just to show you one or two of those that he wants you to take to heart and maybe apply today. All right, let me pray with you. Father, I thank you for every single person who's sitting under the sound of my voice. I thank you that we get to be here. Thank you for this life. I pray you open our eyes to those holy moments all around us. While they may not always feel like big moments, help us just to be present to wherever you have us planted. May we be women who are bold in our calling, not in a overpowering kind of way, but in a way that draws people into Christ, that the courage that shines out of us makes people go, I want to know what is different about them. Lord, we love you. We're so grateful for you. We just receive your peace and your love today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, for more free resources or any information about therapy or my new book, Image Restored, please visit rachelgilbert.com. And there you can see the tabs for all the things. If today's episode blessed you, would you consider leaving a review wherever you listen to your podcast? It helps other listeners find the show. And then, of course, we'd love to read those. Well, my friend, I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.